2: Let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116-123. That's 116-123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. In the town.
3: Hello, Joe. Hello, Rich. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm cold. It's cold. We're not turning the heating on yet. Times are hard, man. Yeah, it's 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 pretty
4: cold. I think the last three weeks, the first thing's got Lindsay has said to any of us is, "It's Baltic in here."
3: So, uh, Swindon being similarly thrifty to the two of us. <laughs> well, relatable content if there ever was any. Um, we have to start this episode in one place and one place only. If I was to give you a series of numbers, Joe, six, five, six, six, eight, four, four, five. Three, seven, six, five. What, what do these numbers mean to you? Uh, these numbers mean um, a, a job well done, I would say.
4: <laughs> Journalistically. Yes, uh, my integrity intact, if not everyone's um, calm to do with uh, my thoughts on the Tranmere
3: match. Oh, there's some bipolar ratings in here. And reading some of the feedback, most of them agreed with you in many ways. But there was one standout rating that some were having none of, and that was left wing back Ellis Iandolo three. Ooh I did feel it was a touch harsh, and I think,
4: you know, generally speaking, people look at the numbers and don't always read the explanations. But I thought, you know, if, if I'm being true to myself and the keep style that I've committed to with these <laughs> player ratings for this season, um uh it just just to me every time Ellis got the ball he'd either stall an attack or give it away and I looked I looked actually looked after uh, people um, had issues with with what I thought of the performance and I think it was he was dispossessed 21 times throughout the game which I think sort of back up what backed up what I saw on the pitch so no I don't regret it but um, you know I just think people need more time to get used to the scale that I'm using, which doesn't use six as the middle.
3: Yes, um, I'm a a six is the middle guy. You you gave Gladwin and Khan four and Iandolo was like the underachiever that last weekend. So if you're giving them a four, you have to give them a three. But your French system sucks. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm sure it does. But people are going to have
4: to (laughs) grin grin and bear it this season, I think, because I'm not moving away from it.
3: three out of ten joe acklam is how you'll end the season (laughs) it it was it was funny one last week wasn't it because i'll say it how i said it in the in the last episode i recorded i thought it was a rubbish game i I, I did you know when you question yourself after a game where you're reading like the feedback and you get a few people go enjoyed that one i was like how but with envious eyes, I, I read these messages and people say they enjoyed it because up until injury time, maybe a couple minutes before, oh, I thought it was quite painful um, to, to see through. Not the worst game of football I've ever seen, but I can say I enjoyed myself. Yeah, it wasn't awful. I had a, a similar reaction sat in the press room
4: when I listened to Scott Lindsay and uh, for the Press Association, I have to get some of Mickey Mellon's Sports as well. So when I was given those by a fellow journalist, Both of them had described it as a really entertaining game between two teams really going at each other. And I was like, I'm really not sure that I saw that myself. But um, good for you if you thought that way. Um, Yeah. You know, I I think a lot of times, and Johnny Efield said this to me, um, you know, the fact that the last 10 minutes was fairly entertaining and Swindon looked quite good in it, uh, taints people's perceptions of a game which before that was... Average and for the first 20 minutes was absolutely
3: diabolical. Yeah, yeah. The running order says your final thoughts on the 1 1 versus Tram. Yeah, I think you've pretty much done it there, haven't you? Yeah, I've skipped one Boy, We can move quicker. Ah, oh, move quicker. That, does that warm me up? Sure, it does. Trousers, Joe. Why have I got trousers in the chat? There was a little bit in your blog to start off with that, that suggested you got compliments from the head coach yeah rave reviews on my um
4: sort of gray checked trousers that i was wearing today um after him professing that the room was very cold because i was i was sat of the changed camera angle slap slightly further away from the table than i normally would be so my legs were on full view of scott Lindsay. and he very much liked my trousers which i see as a massive win and uh everything that followed didn't really matter to me.
3: Yeah, um, was, was it a complete out of the blue comment, you know, were you were you talking you know clothing and then suddenly it's like or was it just like I've got to stop you here Joe, your trousers, they're great. No, it was completely out of the blue, unprompted,
4: and um, very much appreciated, I must say.
3: <laughs> okay, then, so let's talk about this presser and try and get some Crew Alexandra chat as much as we can. And I think it's probably best for this one that we do start with it because, as always, there's a lot of conversation about non-match day stuff. So we'll incorporate injuries into the, the, the crew chat. Tyree Shade what's what's happening here Yeah this was one where I I don't think it was asked or certainly wasn't answered
4: after the Tranmere game about Tyree Shade um obviously we knew he was injured because he wasn't in the squad and that doesn't make loads of sense otherwise but um yeah we I am taking a slightly um not negative um questioning point of view where it seems convenient to me that Tyree Shade sustained this injury last Thursday and we didn't hear anything of it in the press conference last week. Um I think we were being um hit, it was being hidden from us and um I found that very rude from a man with great choice in ch- trousers. Um I'm shocked though. I'm shocked that he kept such news away from you before a game. I can't believe it. Yeah, I know. He's 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 usually so forthcoming with these things, but um Yeah, it was a a minor hamstring thing, he's sort of been half in training, half out this week, which has been the case with a few players, um, as they sort of manage him through it, but he'll be back full in next week, so it really shouldn't be a long-term thing, and we can certainly expect him back by Crawley.
3: Yeah, in terms of the ones that we do know about, which of course is Hepburn, Murphy, Clayton, and McDonald. We'll we'll shelve McDonald chat for a bit later on because, of course, he is the the player guest for this episode. So, how are we getting on with Hepburn, Murphy, and Tom Clayton? I
4: think mean, this is relatively good news. It sounds like Hepburn Murphy has been in a few things this week, training wise. I think I posted something on his Instagram about him being involved. Um, this week, which was nice to see. And then Lindsay said he'd been doing bits and bobs with the team, but he's still a couple of weeks out. Clayton, and as we'll go on to McDonald, were in a similar sort of involvement as Tyree Shade this week. And um, they should be available, again, pretty likely by Crawley, possibly. Well, there's not a game next week for them to be available for, but they, if were there to have been one, it sounded like they would have been fine to play in it.
3: Yeah, and would you say that the weekend off, only benefits them or do they really need a couple of minutes in, or would a couple of minutes in the cup be more beneficial for them? Um, well, I think you want to get them some footballers as quickly you can. You ease them in a little bit more.
4: Um, I, know that, I know that Swindon didn't particularly want to have this blank weekend and they were speaking with a few teams about moving some fixtures around, to put one in that gap. Um, I heard Northampton Sutton mentioned, but uh, neither have been uh, forthcoming with moving that game. So they do have that weekend off. So it looks like the plan would have been possibly to get them some involvement then, but uh, they'll have to wait a bit longer. And I think maybe with their recovery, getting that little bit of time where they they sort of can't be involved because there isn't a match for them to play in might just help them be a little bit um, a little bit closer to 100% by the time they do get back on the pitch. Well, I don't know. I'm kind of looking forward to that weekend off. Well, you know, I'm not complaining about not having to do too much, get to do something else, which is nice, but... um. You know, if, I, I imagine by the time I actually, by the time I get there, I'll be a bit miffed about not having a game. But, you know, in in theory, it sounds nice.
3: Was <laughs> it four games, World Cup televised next Saturday? I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I think the football field will very much be, be used up by that. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what's on, but... I'll no doubt be watching in some form. So Crew Alexandra, we did not play them last season in the league. We beat them in the FA Cup, of course. They were in League One and, oh, they went down. So the last time we played them at the county ground was in February of 2021, which feels like a long time ago. And when I read out the lineup from that day... Wallacott, Broadbent, Grounds, Conroy, Thompson, Cadis, Payne, Missalou, Palmer, Pittman, Garrick and coming off the bench, Twine, Odomeo and Hallam, Hope. A 2-1 win, a last gas win for Swindon, thanks to Scott Twine. Amazing that that's just a calendar year ago. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could have done without you reading out some of
4: those names. Um, you know, we've now got England's um, top goal scorer of the season in that list in Brett Pittman, which is nice but uh yeah it's it feels like a long time ago that that was the team but of course uh the late scott twine show was
3: it was becoming increasingly clear that Sheridan couldn't continue not to play him. i, I remember the first game we played that season against them because we just had a positive result and then we went we went away to crew and we took the lead we were two know up weren't we and then crew just decimated us from the moment from the moment Tyler Smith scored the second, it was a bloodbath from from memory. But yeah, but then, you know, revenge was a, a dish best uh, last season when we beat them 3 0 in the FA Cup. It's not been the greatest season for crew so far. Um, they started the season with a new head coach, Alex Morris, um, but they've since, in the last few weeks, did a little bit of a swapperoo, haven't they? So Lee Bell. Has been given the gig on an interim basis with Alex Morris going back to assistant uh, head coach on compassionate grounds. Um, in terms of their regulars, they've got Luke Offord, Dan Ajay, who's ex Oxford, Arthur O'Conquo, Kelvin Meller, who's returned. He was part of one of those sort of glory era crew sides with loads of players that came through their youth ranks, and Tariq Owakwe, Ex town players. Who will probably be in the squad? Connor Thomas, he'll start. Charlie Colket, remember him? <laughs> um, he'll be on the bench. Um, notable absentees will be Callum Mainly and Courtney Baker Richardson, uh, but Rod McDonald returns. Crew, uh, uh, one of and you, well, we cover it in your in your questions. They've, they've they've struggled this season. It's not rare. The most of the teams that've gone down have done so. Crew seem to have suffered from. They haven't got one of those conveyor belts that have produced many youth players in, in the latest in the latest season or two, have they? They've, they've lost their core and they've not replaced them well. And I think that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, I think a bit like Swindon, they're quite a
4: cyclical side. You know, Swindon get a good team, get forced to sell them all win the same season and then about the next year. Crew, they get a team, they develop them over a few years with the youngsters, get them ready to go. They get promoted. They just have to sell them all for financial reasons. And then they don't have the next generation quite through yet, and they get relegated again. And we're sort of in that down bit for them at the moment. They're probably two years away from being good again.
3: Yeah, yeah. They've had two good results uh, this month, though, having not won for a little while. Um, I didn't think I don't think they won at all in October. They beat Leighton Orient in the FA Cup one nil, uh, and they beat again one nil. They beat Colchester United both games. I think and Scott Lindsay, I think, acknowledges this in the presser. Uh, were games that they were lucky to win, but it's only going to breed confidence, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It was a bit of Tyree Shade thrown
4: from Scott Lindsay saying that, you know, both of those teams missed some quite big chances against him and they were perhaps a bit lucky. I don't think, um, you know, he's been quite so cutting about a team all season, really. But, um, yeah, you know, cool teams wanted to get knocked out in the first round, so that's what us and Lor- Orion were trying to do. But... I think you've got to say two straight wins for any team, especially one who was not doing so great. They had to swap managers. um, And in the classic crew way, it was someone who hadn't been a manager before. But, um, you know, getting those results quite quickly after someone's arrival has got to breed that good feeling. So they'll be coming here thinking, you know, if we beat Orient, we can probably beat this off.
3: Yeah, most of me, it's not most of me, I would say a little bit of me thinks, oh, you know, they're scraping these one nils. But another bit of me thinks they're going to get a thud down to earth three nil loss at some point, And that's Swindon's job this weekend. You're not picking sign of champions. <laughs> no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, not this time. No, we've got to be careful, haven't we? But their form doesn't suggest any dramatic changes. And every, I, I spoke to a crew fan and he was like, nah, we, we were lucky to get that, that win against Colchester. So it happens from time to time. And, and well, Everybody wants to play Colchester at some point, don't they?
4: Yeah, I think being without Courtney Breaker Richardson is pretty big. He was pretty fantastic last season. I think he started the season quite well at Crew. I remember him scoring a really good goal. Um, I always used to like Charlie Colket when he played for Swindon, but he's not been good anywhere else. So that must probably one of them. You know, if if you can get those scabby results and then build up ahead of steam, maybe that could um, you know mean they're building to something. But like you say. The fact that they've they've not been great and then they've got two slightly fortuitous results means Swindon should be on to a good thing this weekend, even though inevitably it won't be.
3: Yeah, Charlie Colkett, my memory of him was he came with a lot of hype. It annoyed Bristol Rovers fans because they recalled him, didn't they, Chelsea, to send him to Swindon. Uh, he had ability, but in a relegation side, it was not what we were looking for. And then he sort of went to Sweden for far too long, didn't he? And he's he's come back at an unsuccessful spell at Cheltenham, and now he's with crew and struggling with fitness. Yeah, I remember him getting a really good assist for Yasser
4: Kasim on his debut at Bolton. And then after that, he essentially only passed to Fankati Dabo the entire time. You know, they had that Chelsea link up, so you can see where it came from. But you say it wasn't exactly what we needed in a team that. Had very little cutting cutting edge anyway, and one of your probably more creative midfielders, all he's doing is passing square
3: to a fullback, isn't ideal. Scott Lizzie was asked about the the Alex Morris Lee Bell swap. Um, it's quite a unusual situation to be in because when this happens, it tends to be nearer to the end of the season or the end of the season or the the the, the head coach who's chose to leave may go back into the youth setup or leave outright but to, to go into the assistant role it's quite a thing and, and I appreciate we, we don't know everything that's happened there but what does Scott Lindsay say about this
4: yeah it's, it's quite surprising I don't think you can't imagine there's really ever
3: been a manager who's sort of stayed within
4: the setup whilst having been taken out of the top job and essentially swapped with his own assistant but um you know Scott Lindsay was talking about we played um, uh, was it Hartley Paul who just got the new manager? Um, a few weeks ago. And then you know the, the key part of that game was about starting quickly against Keith Curl's team. And he was thinking very much the same about playing Crew this weekend, but using that sort of lack of familiarity they might have, even though with that continuity it's probably not too dissimilar to what they were doing before. Scott Lindsay mostly only talks about wanting to do fast start and then after the, after the game gets annoyed that it was in fact the other team that had the fast start, as has been the case in the last three games. but. You no, know, it's It's one of those things that he really likes to happen, or at least would, would really want Swindon
3: to be doing. Usually, that is exactly what I see, but it couldn't have been further from the truth against Tranmere, could it? No, I
4: think it was sort of the entire opposite. They weren't brilliant straight after, but they were absolutely dreadful from the start. I went back to, it'll, it'll make more sense to my question later on, but I went back to watch the Tranmere game to see what they were doing. They just sort of essentially had no idea how to play through the way Tranmere had set up, which was quite an energetic press from the front, which, as far as I can gather, is sort of what Stockport did as well. And obviously they had the quick start, so Swindon seemed to be struggling to acclimatise to games when the opposition tries to upset them from the back, which is not ideal when your whole MO is being the best or second-best possession side in the
3: league. Yeah, yeah, let's talk tactic style and off-field stuff. So we'll start with a question he was posed in relation to having a full week of training again. And, well, that's going to continue um, into into the month, isn't it? What was said here?
4: Yeah, it was talk about um, how generally speaking, when Muntam have had that full week. They've they've used it quite wisely and managed to improve off of the back of it. Um, I mean... I, I, I can't think of the examples to disagree with it necessarily, although I would point out that our best performance of the season by a fair distance was off of the short week where they had to travel quite a long way in the middle of it. But you no, know, I think we've definitely seen that Swindon, had been, during the earlier weeks of the season, Swindon were getting better all the time and using that training ground time wisely. So you'd have to say that you know, he is right in saying that Swindon have been pretty good in those training weeks where they can really get that style into the players.
3: There was quite a bit of tactical chat for this press. He was asked about formations and then onto the back three. So we'll talk about formations first, because there was a change against Tramier, wasn't there? I think it's kind of that
4: Doyle-Yates conundrum where, because Je- Wakling and Jeffcott have been playing pretty well and playing well as a duo, you kind of have to lean into that with a front two. And I think ideally Swindon will be playing 4-3-3 three, three in Scott Lindsay's head but that didn't work playing the pair of them. Neither of them really wants to be a winger. So he's been sort of cycling through the formations in terms of how can we get three players in the middle of the pitch, but also two strikers at the same time. We had the diamond, which seemed to be working well and then wasn't at all against Stockport. We know from last week that he felt it was a little bit narrow, so they moved for the 3-5-2, which arguably is just as narrow, but when I asked that, he didn't agree on Saturday. so I, I think, you know, he's he's trying to find that balance to get Wakling and Jeff got in at the same time and then also be able to keep dominance in the middle of the field. So I think that's certainly what
3: has inspired the free back at the moment. Do you think Scott Lindsay is a reactive tactician? You know, he, he does change it quite a bit.
4: Um I, I think he's not necessarily not as much reactive to the opposition, but reactive to the circumstances in his own team, is yeah. how I would think about it. Um, you know, because we start the season playing 3-5-2. That was clearly the plan for our pre-season. Maybe the players aren't, aren't as happy with it as they might be at that early juncture. And so they move to a more familiar 4-3-3, which they've been playing throughout the second half of last season, those who were around and maybe was more familiar to those who were elsewhere. So they move to that. And then you also, they bring in Jeffcott, he becomes good, so... You know, you've got that situation where your front, you've got two strikers who are both playing great and could easily play with each other at the same time. So, you, I think it is just about him trying to find the best solution for his own team. I don't think that's necessarily
3: a reactive thing to do. It's, pro- it's probably best practice. Entertainment. So, for my criticism of the Tramier game, I can't say that I've been bored watching Swindon that much this year, and I, I do. Generally, see that they try and play as entertaining style of football as possible. It wasn't the case last weekend, but these things they happen, don't they? Um, what was Scott Lindsay asked about in terms of entertaining us troops? He's he's very much a showman. He's Bruce Forsyth of
4: uh, football managers, by the way. He was he was speaking today. He said that it was just as important as um as a result the way that Swindon are playing. He wants Swindon to be attacking and exciting and. Good to watch for the fans, but a smile on their face. They want to come back. He said that that isn't results are pretty much key everywhere, but there's that extra emphasis from Swindon that they want the team to be playing in this certain way. I think he did accept that maybe at times Swindon haven't haven't been as entertaining as they might be. You know, they've he's he's talked about maybe do, dominance of possession going a bit too far to so where the attacking becomes a bit stale. So he has said they've been working quite a quite a lot on that to make that part work better, which is good to hear because that's obviously the bit that Swindon need to become a bit more proficient at scoring multiple goals in a game, beating teams by multiple goals at the same time. So you know, I think was a pretty realistic outlook of the way that Swindon are trying to play at
3: the moment. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I, 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 am, I think I'm realistic as opposed to somebody who's easily pleased and It's been fine this season. I've not left the ground at home going core at any point, I don't think, from memory. But at the same time, I've enjoyed myself. It'll be nice to have a Mansfield-esque game at home, which we did get last season. And Scott Lindsay was a part of that. So um, we've got to be due one of those. And maybe Crew, uh, cruising for a bruising? (laughs) Love it. No, you don't. That was awful. That was awful. Um, yeah, here's hoping we get a, um, a big and impressive result this weekend. So let's move to individuals that Scott Lindsay was asked about in terms of the playing squad. So, of course, Wakeling broke his I think nine-game streak without scoring a goal. Good finish from a lovely, lovely cross. It's no coincidence that he goes central and he's getting more chances, isn't it? I mean, is it, is it as simple as that? Yeah, I think he admitted that right
4: wing didn't really work for Wakeling. As, as he was talking about the formations, he was saying that maybe it was compromising his game a little bit. So the fact he's gone back up front, you know, it's, it's easy to see why he's got back amongst the goals again. I think he said on Saturday even that, you know, if you... He might have been on a goal drop, but if you look at the games he's actually played up the middle, he kind of wasn't because it was when that switch happened that maybe he hasn't got as many goals and was getting loads of assists. So if he's doing that, then that's fine. But just in terms of how it may have been impacting Jake Awakening, he said he, he really didn't see it around the training ground, which I think, again, is one of those things where he's kind of said he was a really morose figure. you know, He was <laughs> walking around like he was in Edgar Allan Poe short story. He was he was stinking up the place, but you know what we know about Wakeling. Absolutely, can can one hundred percent see that he was he was very you know, hardworking, ready to go, even when the goals weren't really coming for him because he was helping the team in other ways. And you know, he, he very much showed his sharp shooting, both with the goal that did count and the one that didn't at the weekend.
3: Yeah, I think we're a little bit away from the fall of the house of Wakeling for now.
4: Yeah, definitely, he's um, <laughs> he should be fine with that what, six goals and four assists or something like that. Yeah, I think he's doing
3: just fine. Of course, then, if you're going to talk about Wakeling in a in an interview, you've got to talk about Romeo Hutton, haven't you? Because he is our attacking threat at the moment, and it feels like, at times, he's our only one. Feel free to correct me on that front, but oh, he's been very, very useful recently, hasn't he?
4: No, against Tramira, I'd 100% agree, he probably was our only threat, at least for until Louis Reed came on the pitch and nearly binned a free kick with his first touch. But yeah, there's there's an angle of his cross. I think it's from the touchline level where it's so perfect for that Wakeling goal. And he's he's just playing so well at the moment, Romeo Hutton. He's without doubt uh, the best right back in the league on current form. He's been absolutely brilliant. And you know, we, we, I think Scott Lindsay might soon get sick of the question about Romeo Hutton. And he's good, isn't he? Uh, how about that development? <laughs> But um, yeah, he was talking about, he's talked on Saturday again today about how he's sort of, all the coaching that he's he's been giving to Romeo Hutton and Marcel Lavinia as well on you know, how to get into that, into those areas where they want them to be crossing from, the kind of quality delivery that, that needs to come with it. And we're really seeing that at the moment. He is on red
3: hot form. Shall we listen to your questions? Let's do it.
4: Um, this is something I've noticed for a little while, but you said after Stockport that they'd stopped you from playing out. Certainly in the first 20 minutes, Tranmere did that. Um, when when you play out from deep, it seems like you have a group of four at the back and then sort of 30 yards up the pitch, the rest of the team are. There's usually quite a big space in between them. I just want to know why, because it was something I saw under Garner's team as well. just want to know why you have that bigger space in between them because it just feels to me like sometimes it can hinder you playing out if you're pressed.
0: Yeah, I think by bringing everybody towards the ball, it just brings another press with you. I think that you know we, we try and keep players away because we want to try and bring the ball to them rather than them come to the ball. I think by coming, it's almost like uh, you know possession-based teams straight away think I'm going to go to the ball I want to get on the ball, and actual fact's probably the worst thing you can do because you're just bringing another bit of pressure with you. Yeah,
2: and then
4: on crew, the teams been relegated from League One last year. Only Doncaster in the top half, and struggling quite a lot. Why do you think they're? You know, none of them are really
0: producing so far this season. I think the gap. Between League One and League Two is probably um, not as big as you'd imagine, uh, especially the bottom half of, of League One. I think there's a lot of teams in that in that bottom half that I'd be happy playing against and competing with. Um, I don't think there's a big gap between it. Um, and like you say, they've come down and you know only Doncaster's kind of sat in and around that top ten. Um, Gillingham certainly struggled, and, and Crew is kind of finding a little bit of form now, so. You know, I think it, it's maybe because of um, them getting relegated. They've not maybe had a particular good start to the season, Gillingham and Crew, maybe. But you know, time will tell. They might find their feet a little bit later on in the season and and get out of, out of trouble. So, thanks, thanks, Chuck.
3: Okay, then. So playing from the back and relegated teams. Let's start with uh, the way Swindon try and play out the back, and it was. One of the tougher questions that's been posed, I feel, to uh, to Lindsay this year, and it was good that he wasn't afraid to answer it. Yeah, definitely. It's usually when a
4: question will come up in in these segments, it's because I've it's been my little obsession for the week. I think tomorrow I'll probably have the piece that I've been working on about this, but it's kind of a theme I've seen Swindon for a while. Certainly, last season they did the same, where there's just a great big gap in the middle of the pitch in build up. And I, I just kind of wanted to know why, because it's never really made total sense to me. And I do, I do get the sort of the part about, obviously, you don't want to invite the opposition on more by you know, allowing them to commit more bodies forward to help them press. But I still just think there needs to be a little, a little bit more from Swindon helping out those defenders, because certainly at the start of that game, Tranmere knew exactly what they were doing and how to stop Swindon playing out. And there were just so many long balls when I was watching it back that Tranmere won easily and they know, knew they were going to because the back three really just didn't have anyone to pass to.
3: Yeah, it felt that way in the first 20. I discussed it in the last episode that it just felt for the first time in a while that aimless balls up top were, were happening with no Swindon player in sight.
4: Yeah, it's, it's and I'll, I'll touch on this more in the article, but it just felt like you're asking quite a lot of those defensive players. We know how good Khan can be on the turn, but there are a few times he got it wrong early doors and gave away chances. And, you know, I, I would love to see Kieran Brennan play a 50-yard ball straight onto Jacob Ring's right boot, but that has to be a really perfect pass when when there are the options shorter aren't, aren't as plentiful. So that's where I was coming from. I understand Lindsay's logic, but it is something that I would like to see Just a little bit more help from, say, a Darcy or a Gladwin, and the wing backs dropping back in phases a little bit more, just to help with that build up. Because I think they do get a little bit isolated if a team plays like Tranmere did, and I think that's kind of the blueprint for Swindon.
3: Yeah. And the second question, I mean, Doncaster tenth, AFC Wimbledon fifteenth, Crew sixteenth, and Ginningham twenty second. And I've got a feeling they're not going to go up this year. (laughs) Um, it It is a weird one, isn't it? Because we've all we've talked about it for a while that this division isn't as strong as as it used to be and I guess if I was to look at their their turnover over the summer I imagine it's quite dramatic which tends to be the case across the league but when you're trying to sort out a a budget from league one to league two I, I guess it's it's less forgiving isn't it but it, 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 they've certainly struggled, and there's n- none of them are teams that oh they're down. Like you get in League One, you get a, a Derby County come down, you're like oh, we want to beat them, don't we? Um It's not exactly that aspect. Uh, they've just got so much weaker, haven't they?
4: Yeah, you maybe thought with like a,
3: a Doncaster
4: that maybe they would be able to compete, and they have done at times. They had that rough patch, which led to the end of Aaron McSheffrey, but you know it is it's just all all three of the four being in the bottom half gillingham being fighting relegation you know with Neil harris as the manager it really is a bit surprising so you know I, when when we're playing a team one of the relegated sides it seemed a prime <laughs> a prime time to see if scott lindsay could have an answer for it and basically said put us in league 1 now we'd finish 12th
3: ah uh, to dream <laughs> We move on from Scott Lindsay and we welcome Angus MacDonald back to presser duties. Uh, plenty of questions here. Um, very, very good at responding, isn't he? Um, and let's, let's just talk about his injury and the road to recovery. And in comparison to what he's had previously, it sounds like he's he's making good progress.
4: Yes, it sounds good for him. Uh, he said that he's had a similar injury before. Um, four years ago it's not necessarily like a you know I think he was asked about the potential for it to reoccur and he said you can never really know that it won't and he's had the injury a while ago but you know he he feels he feels strong with it at the moment I got the sense from him that (laughs) um, if he were to have his way he would be involved this weekend I don't think Scotland's is going to let him do that but yeah, I think he just about stopped himself short of saying, I could play this this time. He feels he mm-hmm. seems like he feels really good.
3: That's good. That's good. You know, he's got the dogs, hasn't he? So that's keeping him occupied by the sounds of it.
4: Yeah, if there were to be an athletic long read about Angus MacDonald's road to recovery, the Time with his dogs would definitely be in the title. Do we know the names of the dogs? Uh, I don't think we do. No. This is why you're not with the athletic at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was. I was actually part of my training. Was always asked the name of the dog, so I've, I've let myself down on that one.
3: <laughs> uh, Angus McDonald, believe it or not, is captain. How does how's that impact his day to day? Yeah, who knew? But um, yeah,
4: he he said that he feels like he can definitely still have an impact because he's kind of still the leader. I think. We've answered goes to another question. It was a bit about um, a, a two-way thing. He said that he likes to be still around the boys, even when he is injured, because it it gives him a lift, and he feels like he can give everyone else a lift as well, being positive and you know driving them on from a backseat position, I suppose. But you know, he he did he does he does feel like he can use his experience and that magical armband to
3: motivate the players even when he's not on the pitch. Well, when it comes to vibes behind the scenes, Angus MacDonald doesn't need to fret if he doesn't fancy going into the office because, uh, well, there's entertainment, isn't there? Scott Lindsay was asked about the kit staff and their singing ability. Bless him, Jonah and uh, Hoop's behind the camera, entertaining everybody with their hijinks. Uh, Scott Lindsay knew nothing about it or certainly wasn't interested in responding it, but MacDonald was their front row centre, wasn't he? So, uh, yeah, they're they're nice little touches, what what the guys provide with the kit staff, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think that was the better of the two reasons
4: Swindon went viral this week, uh, that and Thatcher's game. I was slightly disappointed that Scott Lindsay didn't just stop at saying, nope, don't know what it is. Uh, he did eventually sort of talk about the good the good vibes that Jonah and hoops bring along, but and then McDonald said that um, everyone needs to stay tuned because they've got another one coming soon. But um, yeah, they, they, it's clear to see the the role that the kit men play. You always see in those um, in football documentaries, like particularly Manchester City on All or Nothing, that they, they they're a big part of of the changing room vibes, and uh, Jonah very much bringing that. Um, I beef for attitude to the Swindon squad this week.
3: Yep, lovely lads. Both of them, more of it, please. I forgot about Thatcher's gate, though. Care to explain for those who who aren't on social media? Yeah, it was it was the uh, the big story at the start of the week, I suppose, where the person who won
4: the um I think it was the guest scoreline one, um the Swindon uh, giveaway things from, from the Tranmere game where you were supposed to be given a a, a case of Thatcher's that turned out to be four cans and um that, <laughs> the fact that that got tweeted out got went um went around the um the twitter sphere into a few of the nationals as well and oh no <laughs> yeah they uh <laughs> they got involved I, I believe it's it's sorted now but that was um i think frank thanks to jonah for uh for taking that one off this the swindon um being top of the list for Swindon trends of the week. Yeah, it was made aware of, of an extraordinary response from the club. And um, was this the thing where they they basically played it down as a non-story? <laughs> I think it was the urination reference. Oh yes, I think I think I saw that one where he was. Um, I mean, the original treat was said something. I didn't know whether to piss myself laughing
3: when I was handed it, and they were. I took that a little bit literally, I think. In the name of jest, of course. Um we'll, move, we'll go back on track uh with Angus MacDonald. Uh I think the angle here is is time is a slipping in terms of his playing career, even though he's not that old. Um but coaching and, and watching the team was discussed. Yeah, he he was asked about um you no know, what's it like to watch
4: the team when you can't be on the pitch. I think he um <laughs> he said he watches it and and thinks in his head he's out of position. He's not where he was told to be in training. So um, I, I don't don't know if they would want to hear too much of his critiques of them after the game. But yeah, he's, he said that he's been um, thinking about coaching. He's done taken steps towards getting coaching badges, but it's very much something that he's not thinking about too heavily um,
3: until he stops playing. And why not? Um, it must be not stressful. But when you're a pro footballer and have been for however many years. And then you're kind of in the limbo of like, head in the sand and just keep playing. This is going to last forever. Or do I do my coaches because this is all I know? Do I try and squeeze into a very packed media market? Do I leave all altogether? It, it, ah, a stressful endeavour coming to the end game of your career, I'm sure.
2: Yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely
3: tough. I I mean, he's he can always go on,
4: have an episode of Love Strangers if he wants to Getting into that media world, we've seen what it's done for Phil Smith.
3: Wonders, but I think that was mostly the, the goal he scored in the Stranger's Shield, which was one of the greatest moments of my life. Hopefully, his too. <laughs> Let's listen to your question. Just looking at the team start of the
4: season, you were at Rotherham last year and they ended up getting promoted, started really hot. Are you mm-hmm. seeing similar signs of this team as someone that can go for promotion?
0: Weird enough, exactly the same. Um, With probably a better group of players. Um, it was, It was. we started the season and we went on this long run of like 10 to I think it was either ten to 15 games unbeaten. And then it was, right, we lost a game. How do you react from that? And you go another little run and then we lost. And it's like, right, let's draw another line in the sand and see how we go from there. And sort of, you know, that's how all this season's gone. We've gone a load unbeaten. Obviously, we prefer to win more games than we've drawn. But we've gone unbeaten. We've lost. We've shown a reaction to losing. Um, you know, and obviously it's the same again. Obviously we didn't have the best FA Cup result uh, two weeks ago. Um, you know, we reacted with a performance on Saturday. We didn't lose. And then it's obviously shown how we can perform again on Saturday.
3: Thanks, there we go. A comparison to the Rotherham squads, and all very similar.
4: Yeah, very um, better, I think he said, the, in terms of quality of player, which will take from a team that was certainly for sort of seven months of the season absolutely walking League One. And then as soon as the uh, BBC microphones came in for a moment of truth, then started to ch- bottle us a little bit before getting over the line. But yeah, it was it's good news. It's one of those, again, where you it, it's, it's alarm bells if he says anything. But I'm seeing the same signs. But it was it was very emphatic, I think, the way he answered the question.
3: Yes, indeed, it was. OK, so let's go to prediction central now. I'm going three nil Swindon. I'm going for it. This is this is one of our better results of the season. What you going for?
4: I go two one to Swindon as as I should have stuck with my my gut last week because I said that Swindon wouldn't keep a clean sheet, and uh, had I done that, I would have got the one one. But I was I was silly and I backed Swindon to keep something they were never going to get. So I won't make that mistake this week.
3: <laughs> uh, I dare to dream, however. Uh, before we go. Something that you mentioned earlier that I just had to bring up, Brett Pittman's season. If, if if his Wikipedia stats are correct, which they might not be, an extraordinary campaign with AFC Porchester, 28-14, surely not. Yeah, the Pork Pie Pele added again. Um, I, I think I, I saw this last weekend before
4: it, it became a bit of a bigger thing, but he's having a great time at you know, what is a, a fairly meagre level, given the type of standard that Brett Pittman's played to in his career
3: but he's
4: loving life making Erling Harden look like a joke
3: yeah the uh the Wessex Football League eh care to can you how many how many Wessex Football League Premier Division sides can you can you name I I don't think it's going to be many to be honest uh, well you're going to give it a go uh, <laughs> I am <laughs> a,
4: a, a Bristol Manor <laughs> farm at
3: that level no they're way better than that I've uh, uh, Think of provincial towns, Um, Divisors? No, I'll I'll read out. I could name one team because I did know one. At least, and that—that's Bemerton Heath Harlequins. You could Obviously. have said AFC Porchester just to just to be a bit, a bit facetious. Exactly. I, I scored a brace at Bemerton Heath Harlequins, so you don't forget those under 11s successes. Um, one of my first games for Warminster. it was—it was quite the moment. Other teams: Horndean, AFC Stoneham, Ham, Hamble Club, Moneyfields, Hythe, and Dibden. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Hyth and Dibden was definitely a detective show on BBC One in, in 1987, wasn't it? If not, then we've got a pitch to send someone. Yeah, get home in time for Hyth and Dibden, a match of the day. Um, Shaftesbury, Fairham Town, Baffin's Milton Rovers. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leverstock and Ford, which does sound like a car dealership. Yeah, big hitters across the board. Yeah, definitely.
4: There was, um, I think, there was a few snipes from the Dibden massive about what Brett Pittman (laughs) might
3: be earning, but um, it's it's, it's a prestigious level to say the least. Well, good for him for doing somebody a favor by playing at that level, and um, I'm sure he's doing other stuff on the side. Or this might—I wonder whether this is his side hustle. But we're all off to Heath Dibden, (laughs) Joe. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Rich. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast and views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The intro music of the presser is by the amazing Drag Me Down influenced by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. What a guy. Thanks for
2: listening. Come on Swindon. I said bubble. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything Let's all take a moment to talk more than football.
1: Hi, LS Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy,